Praise the Lord. And welcome to IHAP Podcast. IHAP, I have a testimony. Hosted by me, Reverend Mario Inaira. The podcast is shares and goes over testimonies from the people of God. So join me as I speak with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that have influenced me and my Christian walk and see just how far God has brought us. Listen and be inspired and motivated by God's work in the lives of His people, by His grace and through His Word. website that we just created uh, so if you want to join us on ihatpodcast.com you can check us out there all the information for the podcast you can find on there now all in one place you can find the facebook link the twitter link uh instagram pretty much everything you need to know you're going to find on there and how to get a hold of us also uh, but going back again to the podcast i'm very very excited today and and um honored to have with me uh, um, from Phoenix First Apostolic Church, uh, assistant pastor Adam Rusi with me. Pastor, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Brother Najera. I want to say that it's an honor and it's a privilege to be a part of this um, this podcast. And I want to as well, my brother, commend you for what God has laid upon your heart and the vision that He's that He's given you. Because I think that this ministry is a much-needed ministry, my brother. And I pray that the Lord enlarge it, that the Lord expand it, and that it literally reach to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it does have that potential. And in the name of Jesus, I declare that. But thank you very much for having me. Oh, a pleasure is all mine, Pastor. Thank you for, for those kind words, sir. And and. Definitely your prayers are coveted, Pastor. And, and in Jesus' name, like you said, that's that's the ultimate mission, vision and mission and goal. And obviously for the honor and the glory of God. So thank you. Thank you for those words, Pastor. So we recently just had you down here in First Tucson, ministering to the to the congregation here uh, at our local church on Sunday, Pastor. And, and just to see you minister and to see you work, uh, you know, under the authority of the Holy Ghost and and, and and healing, you know, just proclaiming healing, you know, over cancer. Uh, I'm just expecting a great something great, and and I'm expecting for someone to step up and just proclaim and testify, you know, what they received that Sunday, and to see, uh, you know, what 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 are the results, you know, of what what have come from that Sunday service. I'm very excited, Pastor. And again, I want to appreciate your ministering to us on on Sunday. It was such a great experience. Uh, but and you guys have a great church. I do <laughs> want to say that you guys do have a great church up in first two, at First Tucson, House of Worship. You have an awesome pastor, Pastor Espino. It was an honor to be there with you guys as well. And I'll tell you this, you know, when there's a worshiping and praising church, mm. it's easy to preach, it's easy to minister, and the gifts of the Spirit just begin to operate and begin to flow. So you guys, I'm sure that you see this on a regular basis just because you guys are worship praising church. You guys keep it up, and I'm sure that God has revival already taking place in Tucson, my brother. Oh, in Jesus' name, Pastor. So uh, I bring that up because, Pastor, where did that journey begin from? Where did, how did that journey begin with you, sir? Where you were just used, uh, you know, so sensitively by God, and, and just giving yourself to to the Holy Spirit. But w- where did all that start off for you, Pastor? Well, if we look at from the beginning, my brother, my my journey and my experience that I have with God, that I'm having, I should say, with God, Mm. because it's a never-ending experience. God is always doing something new. But, you know, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Mm. I did not grow up. I had never even heard of the apostolic church. You know, the family that I grew up in, the only times that we ever went to church, which was Catholic church, mm. was either for weddings or funerals. That's mm. about it. And, you know, my dad, he was a dad that did not 
want anything to do with God. I mean, he, he we grew up with him always telling us, you know, you don't need that. You don't need the Bible. You don't need God. Although my mother, she was the type that was in seek. She was seeking out mm. God a lot. Although she ended up in a lot of false religion, um, cults, and uh, things of that nature for many, mm. many years. But that type of environment, I think, uh, took me down the wrong path, mm. you know, where I began to, at a, at a young age, I began to get involved with drugs. I got involved with alcohol. I got involved with the local gang in the Los Angeles County area where, um, you know, I, I ended up in prison. I ended up getting arrested a bunch of times. I ended up in a penitentiary wow. um, due to the violent lifestyle that I was living, mm -hmm. which was like a gang-related uh, type of lifestyle. Um, you know, we began using drugs. I, I mean, I probably, I don't know, did every drug that was available, mm. including heroin, you know, even injecting myself with heroin. Wow. And the type of, um, you know, gang lifestyle that I led, you know, we were in constant, uh, you know, battles with rival gangs, mm -hmm. um, shootings, stabbings. You know, just to give you a little bit of an idea yeah. of maybe a little bit of a picture of, of what type of a person I was. You know, when you're a juvenile and you get arrested, a lot of times they'll just let you go to your parents. Mm -hmm. They'll call your parents and they you up if it's not too, too much of a serious crime. And I remember on one occasion, on one week, I got arrested every single day of that week. Wow. And my dad picked me up every single night from the jail and he's like what happened and I was like you know dad it wasn't me mm. you know that old story <laughs> always pointing the finger blaming the others it was the cops they had it in for me and yeah. you know I remember my dad saying I remember my dad telling me well it wasn't you this time mm -hmm. it wasn't you last time it's never you yeah you know so that's how that, that's how bad I was, wow. and you know, and and then once it escalated and got into the violence of gangs, um, I mean, we were at at one point, brother Najera, and, and and I say all of this just because sometimes it's important to know, you know, where somebody does come from. Yes, and I know a lot of people they might not say, well, you know, why do we have to hear all that. It's important to know where somebody comes from. That way, God can be glorified. Yes. But let me let, let me give you another example of the type of violence that we were in. And, and you know, I remember on one occasion we were uh, partying all night long, and it must have been like I don't know seven a.m. or so in the morning, where we just decided, okay, we're going to leave. And when we came out, um, there was a rival gang member sitting outside waiting for us who did a drive-by on us. Wow. You know, we retaliated with our little 22 automatic gun that we had. It was funny, though, because, and although it shouldn't be funny, but it's funny because there was a mailman there, I remember, and the mailman jumped to the ground, you know, uh -oh. for cover, and he got up, and he like, was that a 9 millimeter? <laughs> like, no, it's just a 22 automatic, you know, a little cap gun yeah. for, you know, for gangs. And what happened that same day, there was a drive-by done on us. We shot back. Later on, 12, in the, 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we went back and did a shooting in broad daylight. Wow. Later on that same night, they came back to our neighborhood, and we were so wasted, Brother Najera. The guy pulled out an 18-shot twenty-two rifle, wow. and we thought it was a water gun because oh, we were wow. so loaded on drugs. He unloaded it. Shot my friend to my left, the one to my right, but it did not hit me. Wow. And that's the type of violence that we lived in. And, and I remember when those things were happening, you know, although I didn't know God, mm -hmm. God was at that time even dealing with me. Mm. Because it was just an example of that time that, the, that that rival gang member shot at me with the 18 shot, 22 rifle gun. He was like 10 feet away aiming oh. at me. 
and not one bullet hit me. Wow. I didn't know it at the time, brother. God was already protecting me. Yes. God, God was already, you know, putting his hand upon my life. And I started to notice it mm. over and over again. Somebody would get shot. Somebody would get stabbed. Mm. I was there. Nothing happened to me. Even when I was in the jail, in the L.A. County mm-hmm. jail, I had caught my case. I had caught a, uh, well, the most serious case was an attempted murder case. And I know some of this might sound a little uh, rated R, maybe, or rated, but l- let me say this. I, I always tell the hermanos that I like to keep my messages or my testimonies rated R mm-hmm. for real, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. R for real. For real. <laughs> because it actually happened. And I remember when I was in the in the county jail, which was a very, very violent place, it you know, I seen deputies get stabbed. Mm. I seen a lot of the inmates get stabbed, and I was in multiple riots where people died. And wow. never ever would I be injured. The worst I ever got was the black guy. Mm. You know, and in the LA County went up to the penitentiary over and over again. I would escape situations where I was able to maybe die. And God began to deal with me, brother. Mm -hmm. God began to show me, hey, you know, again, I didn't know God, but something within me was saying, man, this is, this is, you know, more than luck. Because they, it got to a point where some of them started calling me lucky because I was escaping all of these, these events, these things that were placed. And I got to the point where I said, you know, this is more than luck. This has got to be God. This mm-hmm. has got to be something divine that's happening. God is protecting my life and I don't know why. Wow. And, you know, it, it. and when I talk about all of this, it brings back thoughts of how God was beginning to deal with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that when I, my case, uh, uh, you, you know, what, what's really bad Brother Najera was is I was already fighting a case for an assault with mm-hmm. a deadly weapon, where I had shot up this this other rival gang member's car, mm-hmm. and I had got released, and I was able to fight that case on the street. And you would think that someone that's fighting a case assault with a deadly weapon would try to behave, right? Mm-hmm. But no, I fought another case, attempted murder, wow. and this one, you know. <sighs> It's only by God's mercy that this young this this young uh, rival gang member did not die. Mm. He should have died. He should have. Mm-hmm. And you know, God saved that, that young man's life. I know now because he wanted to save mine. Mm. You know, when I was when I was arrested that day for that violent crime, I remember I was in the city jail. And I had just turned 18 at that time. Wow. And I had a lot of friends that were doing life in prison. Uh, you know, they call it LWAP, life mm. without parole. And I had a lot of friends that were doing life already. And I realized at that moment when I was caught that, and I thought the guy was going to die. I thought he was dead. Mm. I, I said, I'm done. You know, this wow. is it. This is the end of my life. This is where I'm going to end up being for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And that night, I, I, I remember it, but then I had it like if it was yesterday. You know, we we grew up in, in, a, in a home that my dad said, you know, men never cry. Mm-hmm. And we never did. In most, you know, Hispanic homes, that's, that's the mentality, right? That's the attitude, the mm-hmm. macho attitude and... I had never cried, brother. I don't. I don't remember it, you know. Yeah. And, but that night, I cried. That wow. night, when I knew, I'm facing life in prison. This guy's gonna die. I'm probably never getting out of here. They caught me red-handed. Mm-hmm. We got witnesses. I mean, one of the witnesses was a priest for crying oh, out wow. loud. Brother <laughs> wow! It was done on a on a Catholic church property. That I mean, we had no respect. Yeah. It that's horrible. That's how lost we were that's mm-hmm. how 
gone we were in the world and one of the other witnesses was an undercut was an off-duty cop oh wow. i was caught i was yeah. caught and this um that night when i was in the jail cell i cried for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time probably since i was a little kid and i remember i laid down on the on the little metal bed that they have there in the single cell city jail and I put my face in the um, little pillow that they give you mm-hmm. and I cried brother although it was a silent cry mm. it was a silent cry because you never want to hear the other inmates mm. or you don't want the other inmates to hear you you know when you're in jail mm. and it was a silent a silent cry my brother that I cried and I prayed also for the first time wow. this is you have to understand, we don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the things of God. Mm-hmm. I did not even understand or know Jesus was God. Mm. And this was my prayer. I didn't know how to pray. I said, God, as I was crying, I said, God, if you're real, give me another chance. Wow. That's it. Give me another chance. And by God's mercy, that young man did not die. My sentence, when I was fighting it for two years inside of the L.A. County Jail, got reduced from 25 to life, down to 15 to life, mm-hmm. down to nine years. They, they gave me another deal for 11 years. I kept fighting it in there until they finally took a deal, plea bargain for seven years in, in the state penitentiary. Mm-hmm. And once, you know, what happens is sometimes when you're young, especially and you make these prayers unto God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember once I got my sentence, I said, ah, that's nothing. I'll mm-hmm. be out in a little bit. And I forgot about that prayer. I really did. And I began to do my thing in there in the penitentiary with the, with the so-called homeboys mm-hmm. from the neighborhood, the, the different things inside of the penitentiary, the drugs, the, the, the alcohol. Believe it or not, they got alcohol. And believe it or not, I became an expert in making alcohol in there oh. called Pruno. You can make oh. it every seven days, but I'm not going to give you the recipe, no. brother, because I don't want that recipe to go out on this podcast yeah. and not be a bad influence. <laughs> but, but I ended up, God was still dealing with me. I remember in there, and, 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 and you know, like I said, through the times that I should have been in violent mm-hmm. uh, situations where I should have probably been hurt, nothing happened to me. Yeah. And God began to deal with me and show me that, you know, something, he, he was protecting me for a reason. Yeah. Even though I wasn't looking for him, even though I didn't really want nothing to do with God. Mm. And even though I didn't know him, Brother Nahera, he was looking for me. Yeah. He was wanting something to do with me. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have a relationship with me, and he kept working on my heart. I ended up uh, being released from the penitentiary after serving about four years of the seven-year sentence. Mm. And I got married with my wife. Now, if I tell you how I met my wife, brother, let me, let me just give you a little, a little thing how I met her. Uh-huh. I was in the penitentiary. She was in another woman's institution. And uh, we met as pen pals. And we wrote each other for three and a half years. That's how I met my wife. And she had the same type of gang lifestyle and drug lifestyle that I had. And uh, I remember I I had a bunkie when I was in the uh, reception center up in Delano. And uh, his name was Cricket from from La Puente, I remember. And he told me, hey, uh, my wife is in this um, woman's institution. Uh, but she has a couple friends. Would you like to write one of them? Mm. And I said, sure. And he shows me two names. And one of them was Norma, who's my wife. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I don't remember the other person, the other uh, girl's name. And I said, I'll pick Norma. And he says, well, you know, also from Pomona, wants to write Norma, but he owes me a bag of coffee. I'm going <laughs> to let you write Norma instead. And I like you better anyways. <laughs> Over a bag of coffee. A coffee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we began to write, and uh, that's how we got to know each other. Wow. I would not recommend that for any young people listening to this. Song. Yes. <laughs> you know, find wow. somebody that's in the church. Mm. 
Don't go looking for no one outside of the church. Mm. Find somebody in the church because it will never, ever work out. Mm. But that's how it worked for us. Yes. We didn't know the things of God. And when we got out, we got married, and we uh, began to, you know, I have, the, in California, they got the two strikes and your outlaw, mm. or the three strikes, I should say, outlaw. I don't know if they still have that. That was back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And we got out, and I said, you know, I don't want to go back. Mm. And we said, you know, we're going to we're gonna try to do right. We're going to try to get a job and da-da-da. But you know what happens? Brother Najera, it, it, that getting right only lasted about two weeks, really. Mm. Because we started getting back into the same issues, back into the same things. Yeah. And eventually we were in the same place. Mm. And uh, what's amazing is even through this, when we got out or getting into the same issues, my wife's parents had recently got baptized at that time in LA and they moved out to Phoenix for a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they, they were telling us, why don't you come out to Arizona? Why don't you come out to Phoenix? You know, and I was having a hard time getting hired in California, but I was on parole though. Uh. And parole office would not release me. Mm-hmm. Actually, he tried, but the state of Arizona would not accept me brother mm. because of violent criminal record and rightly so mm-hmm. they did not want violent criminal in their in their state yeah. but this is what took place after two years of trying my in-laws that were congregating in phoenix first apostolic church at that time once they moved to phoenix asked pastor romo who's my pastor mm-hmm. he's a tremendous and great man of god and they asked him um, you know, Pastor Romo, we have a son-in-law in L.A. He would like to come out here to Phoenix. He's in this certain situation on parole. Would you be able to write him a letter? And Pastor Romo, without even knowing who I was, mm-hmm. without ever even speaking to me, never had a conversation with him over the phone or nothing like that, felt in his heart to write a letter to my parole officer. And in this letter, he stated you know, he's going to have a job set up out here, which I was going to have one. Mm-hmm. He's going to be staying with his laws. And then this was the last thing. And he's going to be congregating at Phoenix First <laughs> Apostolic Church. And, I mean, that must have been a prophetic mm. letter. And uh, I don't know if that letter had a lot of prayer and some anointing on it. Because as soon as my parole officer got it, Brother Najera, mm-hmm. that same day he called me. And he said, Arizona will accept you. Wow. You're going to go to Phoenix First Apostolic Church. You're going to be under Pastor Frank Romo Jr. And you're leaving in one week. Wow. Like that. And I took that letter and I said, I'm gone to Phoenix, but I ain't going to Phoenix First Apostolic Church <laughs> in my mind. We were, we were so rebellious. Yeah. I had, had a bad experience already at a one apostolic church that I went to mm. in LA time and i had vowed i'm never again Mm. stepping foot into an apostolic church you know i almost fought the usher at at some church in la because it it was just i won't even go into it and i'm not gonna name the church because i wouldn't be right Mm. but i was a soul yeah and i didn't and i ended up coming to phoenix with my wife brother and the lord you know I began to work here. God provided a job for me. I was staying with my in-laws. And I was refusing to go to the Phoenix first, though. Mm. And the thing was this. When I was staying with my in-laws, they were every single day like a broken record. Come to church. Jesus loves you. Wow. Has something better for you. God has a greater life. You need to get baptized in Jesus' name. Every single day. They never gave us Bible studies. Mm. They never gave us, you know, trees of righteousness mm. and search for nothing. It was just Jesus loves you. They're simple people. Mm-hmm. And that's something better for you. You need to come to church with us. And finally, I told my wife, you know what? We're going to have to get your parents off our back. I know we're staying here and this is getting old, but we're going to go to church. <laughs> and we are going to let, we're, we're going to go to church so that, you know, so that they stopped telling us already. Yeah. And we went. 
And Brother Najera, we went for the first time to Phoenix First Apostolic Church, and I'm going to tell you what, it was like, uh, it was an experience like I have never had before. Mm. I went in, and, and let me give you a little bit of a picture mm-hmm. of how, how I was dressed, okay? I had a shaved head, which was the L.A. gang style, all right? I had, uh, you know, a white T-shirt, cut mm. off Levi's at the knee, some white socks up to my knee, and some. I had some huarachas that I got from Tijuana, those the Mexican huarachas. Yeah. That's how I went to church. And I had my black lokes on, the, the black shades, right? So I went in, sat in the back row with my wife, I didn't take my shades off either. Mm-hmm. We just sat there, and the pastor began to preach, Pastor Romo. Mm-hmm. And it was like fire was coming out of the pulpit. It was like it was coming out of the pulpit all the way to where I was in the very, very back row. Wow. And it was like the message was speaking directly to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking around, you know, I was like, how in the world? Does he know all this stuff about me? Yeah. And and I was still I was still uh, uh, hard hearted though. Mm. And I remember that this happened in that service. Pastor Romo, he didn't do a normal altar call where he called all the hermanos. Mm-hmm. He said, if anybody needs a touch from God, stand make you know make a line down the middle, and I'm gonna pray for each and every single one of mm. you. And the line, brother, it went from the altar all the way to the back door. Mm. And, and we have a 500-capacity church. Mm. It was packed, the capacity. And it was just a long line. And I told my wife, look, this is what we're going to do. I said, I'm going to let that man. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't call him stir nothing. Again, I was very, you know, disrespectful, I guess, at the time. Yeah. I said, I'm going to let that man. Because what he was doing, he was laying his hands upon the hermanos mm. and some of them would fall some of them would jump some mm. of them would speak in other tongues and you know praise god i didn't know what that was mm. i'd never seen it was a full-blown apostolic pentecostal revival service mm. and miracles are taking place and i told my wife look i'm gonna let that man touch me on the head and i'm not gonna fall and and I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna show you that all of this that's happening is fake. Wow. It's fake. I'm gonna let him put his hand on me, and I'm not gonna fall, and we're gonna leave. And she was like, "Okay." And my wife, you know, I love my wife. She's always been by my side. She's a she's an amazing woman of God. I don't know what I would do without mm. her, brother Nahera. She's a, she's awesome. And she's like, "Okay, whatever you say." And I went to the front of the line. I didn't even wait in the back. I just went all the way to the front, trying to cut in front. Mm-hmm. But Pastor Rome would not put his attention on me. He kept doing his thing. He kept laying hands on the people. He kept prophesying to the people, mm-hmm. and one by and one by one. And then I'm at the front, and I was like, "Man, what am I doing here?" And I started looking around, and I seen the people with their hands raised, mm-hmm. and I seen the praising God and. You know, I said, you know, I'm just going to try it. I I wanted to kind of blend it. I was kind of like embarrassed, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. What am I doing up here? He's not even paying attention to me. I raised my hands. And when I raised my hands, I felt something within my head that I had never felt ever in my life. It was something that I had never felt on drugs, Mm. on alcohol. It was something I never felt at a party. Mm -hmm. It was the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost began to touch me. Mm. My hands began to shake. My my arms began to shake. Wow. I, I I looked at my I opened my eyes to look at myself I'm like what in the world is happening to me? Yeah. And I knew. I knew without a shadow of a doubt, this is not normal. Mm. This is not natural. This has got to be supernatural. That's what that's what I said. And wow. And I began, brother, to, something came upon me, brother, at that moment, where, I'm going to tell you what happened to me, my brother, but I heard God's voice mm. for the very first time. Now, 
that might go against some of your, the, maybe your theology, I don't know, or maybe somebody that's listening to theology because I didn't have the Holy Ghost. Hmm. And some people say, I can't talk to nobody that don't have the Holy Ghost, but I'm going to tell you what, God can talk to anybody that he wants to. Mm-hmm. And he talks to me. And, and this is what he told me. And this is and this is a little part that I left out when I was in the city jail. Um, well, I, I told you I, I had prayed mm-hmm. when I was in that city jail when I got arrested, and I told God, "Give me another opportunity." Yes. And this is what I heard when I was at the altar. You remember when you asked for another opportunity, and I heard the voice say, "This is your opportunity." Wow. And when, when that happened. A spirit of repentance, Brother Nahida, came mm. upon me so strong that I began to weep. Wow. I began to groan. I began to cry. God took me back to that jail cell mm. when I was facing life, when that young man should have died. Mm-hmm. And I began to cry like a baby at the altar at Phoenix First Apostolic Church. Pastor Romo finally seen me. Mm. And he comes up to me, and he puts the microphone in my in my face. He asks me, do you want to feel the power of God? What he turned. I couldn't even respond, Brother Nahida. <laughs> I was so under the power wow. and the, of the Holy Ghost, under a repentant spirit as well, yeah. that I couldn't even talk. The only thing that was coming out of me was groan. Wow. I was like, Lord, you're right. Mm. I, I'm sorry. I repent. I'm mm. sorry. I thank you. Um, and I, I was just all in my mind, though, because I couldn't even speak it out. Yeah. And when Pastor Romo noticed I couldn't talk, he tried to lay his hand upon me. And he must have came maybe about, I don't know, 10 to 12 inches away from me, his hand. Mm-hmm. And the power of God dropped me to the ground. Wow. He didn't even touch me. He wasn't even able to touch me. But the power flowed out of him. Yeah. I fell to the like, 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 and I felt I just crumbled, brother. Like that time De La Hoya just got <laughs> knocked out in the later portion of his, <laughs> his career. But wow. when I was underground, I, I tried to get up again. I said, Look at the people are looking at me and mm. that. Get up. And, and I tried to get up, and as soon as I got up, I fell back down. I, I stayed down. My body was just, God was just dealing with me. I was down for like 15 minutes or 20 or 30. I don't know. When I woke up, brother, nobody was there no more. The the church was already ended. You know, they had already ended the service. And, you know, when I think about, when I I tell this testimony, Mm -hmm. is you never know, brother, who God or what God will do through a person. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what they look like. You know, I came in dressed as a gang banger. banger. Mm-hmm. I came in, you know, with the heart in heart. Mm-hmm. But God got hold of me that day. And, you know, it took time, brother. It took some time after that. that you know, when that happened, we had that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I, we began to just go to church every single time. The doors of the church were open. Mm-hmm. We began to just hear the preaching. We were going to the Bible study. Mm. We began hearing the word of God. That was in August of 1999 that that happened. In November of 1999, I got the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking another time. In December, December 19th of 1999, my wife and I were both baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the Forgiveness for the remission of our sin. That's awesome. And then in February of 2000, my wife got the Holy Ghost. And ever since then, uh, Brother Nahida, our life has just never, ever been the same again. And we just fell in love. We, we began falling in love with God. Mm. We began. It's true. It's true. You know, God falls in. God loves us first, brother. Yes. We didn't love and but slowly and over the over time we begin to learn how to love god mm. you know when i got baptized when i got baptized i remember that that week when i decided to get baptized i was so scared brother 
to be out on the street, not being baptized, I realized, wow, if I die, I'm going straight to hell. Yeah. I'm going to split hell wide open. And and I remember I called Pastor Romo. It was like on a Wednesday. I said, Pastor, I need to get baptized. Hmm. Get baptized today. today. You know, and he was we could wait till Sunday, brother. Yeah. We need to talk to you, and we need to, you know, make sure you know what you're getting into. And I said, but you don't understand. I need wow. to get baptized today. And like, don't worry. We're going to pray for you. God's going to protect you. And and we got baptized that following Sunday, my wife and I. And like I said, our life has, has just never, ever, ever been the same again. Wow. And that's, that's the beginning of our journey, brother. That's wow. the beginning. There's so much more that I could say, but yeah. it, I'll go on and on and on. Oh no, <laughs> Pastor! Well, it, it, it's just amazing how it it just comes full circle, like you said, when you were in that in that jail cell, and, and that that prayer that you know ultimately you 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 were sincere, no doubt, because it was just you know it was just something so sincere, and and in a time of you know you like you said you realized your life was going to come to an end, and then all of a sudden just coming full circle, you know you end up in in Phoenix, you're attending uh, Phoenix first. And then all of a sudden, God just reminds you, you know, of that prayer. And that's what I love about how God deals with his people, especially those that have a destiny and those that are called and meant to do something, that, that God God won't let go. You know, God won't let go. And um, one of the things that you said earlier, Pastor, was, uh, you know, it's not so much to glorify the past, but to, like you said, to glorify God. You know, that he had your he had his hand upon your life in that journey ever since way back when and to hear how it comes out it, it's just it's amazing and I'm, i just sit in awe you know i just sit in awe and listen and, and it's just it, it's it's so great and not only that but god is still doing this you know god is still working you know and and his people right. yeah yeah and uh so pastor what <clears throat> once you uh so you got baptized your, your wife and yourself i'm sorry yourself your wife full of the holy ghost what what was uh, the next journey into the ministry, Pastor? When did you feel that? Was it just an evolution of the calling as, as you can continue to grow and mature in your relationship with God? Uh, how did that come about, uh, the calling to the ministry? Right. right. Well, the calling to the ministry, for me, brother, was... This is, this is the way it happened, brother. Because mm. when we got baptized... We began to just serve. Mm. We began to get involved with the usher ministry. We just wanted to do something. Yeah, we wanted to help in some, you know, way in one way or another. When there was, uh, you know, our, our my pastor is a man that that has planted different churches as well mm. and different daughter churches. And whenever one of those works was was coming up i would go support it as well mm. i would go you know put chairs um evangelize whatever whatever we can do just mm. talk to souls as much as we can but we never we never were looking for the ministry mm-hmm. i was never looking to be a preacher mm-hmm. i was never uh wanting oh i want to be behind you know the pulpit mm-hmm. or the mic or have the microphone you know I, there's something that my pastor taught me when I, I remember this from, you know, ever since I've been at Phoenix First Apostolic Church. Mm-hmm. And he always has said, don't seek the position. Mm-hmm. Let the position seek you. And I believe that mm-hmm. with all of my heart. And be, let God open the doors. You know, you don't have to be handing out your business cards mm-hmm. and saying, hey, look at me. And, you know, I do this and I do that. God will make a way. Yeah. God will make put you in contact if you're called to a certain type of a calling. Mm-hmm. And the way I began to preach, I began to preach before I got into the ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way it happened, brother, was uh, we were helping out in one of these daughter works that we were that, that we were planting a church that Pastor Romo was planting. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was just there helping, putting chairs, and the preacher didn't show up. And the brother that was in charge, he said, are, are you willing to preach? Can you preach? I'm like, no, I can't preach, but I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll give it yeah. my best shot. 
and that's always that's always been my motto. I'm gonna give it my best shot. Mm. I'm gonna do what I can. I'm gonna leave the rest up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that was my first opportunity to preach, and some souls were touched. And after that, I got other opportunities to begin to preach. Mm-hmm. And and you know what happened was you know deep down inside, God begins to show you. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a specific calling upon your life. I have this uh, ministry upon your life this calling to apostolic ministry and 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 inside know it god shows men of god in different ways mm-hmm. some he'll show through the reading of the word some he'll show through a prophetic word mm-hmm. some he'll show through a dream some through a vision i i even had dreams of ministering i remember this one dream in particular that i had when i was recent i was just a recent convert mm-hmm. it must have been a few months into my conversion and I had this dream that Pastor Romo was calling me up to the platform, the, you know, to the top of the platform. And, mm-hmm. and although I didn't know much about church, I knew that that was where the ministry preached yes. from. I knew that that's where they ministered from. And in my dream, I said, no, I can't go up there. That's what that place is. You know, I, I had this, you know, I can't, I can't put my foot up mm-hmm. on the, on the uh, you know, platform. That's just yeah. for the ministers. And I can't do that. And, and, and in the dream, I, he says, yes, come up here. And then I went up, and all of a sudden, I was in a suit, preaching in front of thousands. Wow. And that was a dream that God had given me. Mm-hmm. And and let me tell you what. God, a lot of times, shows people their calling mm-hmm. when they're very when they're converted at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't show you the journey, though, that you got to go mm-hmm. through. He doesn't show you the, the, the valleys, the mountains that you got to go through mm-hmm. to get to the realization you know, the fulfillment of that calling. Yeah. And um, we're done with this yet, though. We're, we're still striving. And eventually what happened was Pastor Roma, one day I was ushering, and he's like, Brother Rusi, um, I need to talk to you in my office. And I was like, well, what did I do? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I'm like, God, you know, the pastor's upset. What happened? You know, okay. And I went in, and he said, you know, the Lord has shown us that he's calling me to apostolic ministry, and we want to set you aside. And I was just, you know, my jaw dropped. My jaw dropped, and I couldn't believe it. And um, that happened in in 2000. I was actually set aside for uh, the apostolic ministry in August of 2003. Hmm. And then I was ordained, went through the two-year process, mm-hmm. and I ended up being ordained in August of 2005. So I've been in it for about, you know, 16 years now in wow. the ministry, if, if, that, if the math adds up to that. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, um, well, about 10 years or 11 years, I should say. I've been a, in ministry, apostolic mm-hmm. ministry, for about 11 years. And it's been a journey. Yes. It's been the ride of my wife and I's life, apostolic ministry. It's it's um it's amazing. At the same time, it's not always easy, brother. Yes. It's it's I, I know you know that as well, being in ministry. And uh, but that's how we got called into mm-hmm. the into the ministry mm-hmm. back in 05. Wow. Wow that's Pastor that that's just you know like you said, uh, uh, you know being a young man in, in the gang, street gangs of LA, in your cutoff uh, jean shorts with your long socks, your lokes on, and now behind a pulpit, you know, with a microphone and, and, you know, just being guided instead of under the influence of the world, just the influence of the Holy Spirit. And my God, that's just, it, it, that's an awesome journey. And like you said, God is just continuing to, 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 to move you forward, you and your, and your family. And that, that's just awesome, Pastor. Pastor, if, if you had an opportunity, and I hope I'm not kind of putting you on the spot, but anyone that's listening uh, today on this podcast, Pastor, what 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 would it what would you feel to to just share or to minister to someone's heart right now, and uh, you know, just someone that's listening, and, and maybe they're maybe they're church, maybe they know about the church, or maybe they're just listening for the first time. But what what would your message be to them about your whole journey and, and what God can do, sir? My message would be, brother, mm. that God can use anybody. Mm. 
he can use anybody. You know, there's a there's a scripture that I really like in First Corinthians mm-hmm. chapter one, verse twenty seven through twenty nine, and it says, "But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, mm-hmm. and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, yes. and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised as God has God chosen, mm-hmm. and the things that are not to bring to naught the things." that are mm. that no flesh should glory in his presence and that scripture there brother is a verse that i really love mm. and it tells me that god can use anybody yes and i hope that the type of testimony that i have mm-hmm. it could be a blessing to hopefully somebody that doesn't know jesus number one yes that maybe you think you're too far mm. From God and that you're too far from God's forgiveness and that you're too far off and you're too gone you know from God's mercy and his grace but you're not yeah. you're not because if he could do it for me he could do it for you too yes he could do it for anybody God is no respecter of person mm. he, he what he does for one he wants to do for somebody else but also brother I, I would like to say to the hermanos Mm. to the brethren that if god can use me Mm. okay somebody that did not grow up in the church somebody that did not know the things of god Mm. how much more can god use you wow you know i think you know we get enamored brother nahera with testimonies like mine okay Mm. we we say wow you know look at him and um you know, he's been on drugs and mm. gangs and he's shooting heroin and, and you know, even between his, you know, toes, mm. he was shooting up heroin. And, you know, and it's like, wow, we're enamored. Look at him now, look God does. But, and those are te- powerful testimonies. Mm. You know, there are, there are millions of people that have testimonies like mine. Mm-hmm. But I also want to say, brother, that there's those that grew up in the church. Yes that maybe they don't have a testimony like mine, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, you have a testimony. Yes. You have a testimony. Because the Bible also says that blessed is the man that walketh mm-hmm. not in the counsel of the mm-hmm. ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, mm-hmm. nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In the, in the Spanish, it, said, it, it, it's, it talks about blessed is, is the man that never walked mm-hmm. in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, brother... I would like to tell the brethren, mm-hmm. you know, God, God wants to do something tremendous through your life. Man. You might not have a testimony like Brother Rusi, mm-hmm. but you have an awesome testimony because you were able to stand up and say no to the things mm-hmm. of the world. It's easy to say yes. Yeah. It's easy to say yes to drugs. It's easy to say yes to sin. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy to say no to sin, to say no to the things of the world. Yeah. And we have... People in our churches, brother, that never were in the world mm-hmm. and do not realize that they have an awesome testimony oh, yeah. to share, that God is able to keep people clean. Yes. And I think, brother, that that type of a testimony is even greater mm-hmm. than the type of testimony that God has given me. Yes. And there, I, I want to encourage those people, let God use you. Yes. Let God speak through you. Let God use you with the gifts that that He's given you, and and you will be amazed mm. at what God will do through your life. Yes, you know. Yes, uh, Pastor, it's been so enlightening uh, for me just to have this conversation with you and to to see just a different uh, part of your journey, sir, and, and and the light, and to see you now. Like if you were to be in here in front of me, I was like, I would have never. Expected, <laughs> expected, <laughs> expected that journey, but it's just awesome. And like you, you mentioned, it's very true. Whether whether your life's journey was more of a, you know of a struggle, or not not so much a struggle, but more of a like you mentioned, a worldly experience or a church experience, you know. Yet we still have a testimony, and 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 to confess it, and to confess the goodness of God and what He's doing for us. Uh, and 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 I'm really appreciative, uh, brother, uh, for your candidness and being open, 
And I know, like I said, we're doing this for the honor and glory of God. And I know, I know it's why you share it with that passion and you share as much as you do. And, and again, I just, I really want to appreciate your time, uh, Pastor Rusi. And, and thank you so much, brother. And we'll be praying for yourself, for your wife, uh, for uh, uh, Phoenix First there, Apostolic Church. And obviously for your pastor, uh, for Pastor Romo also, and, and the congregation, brother. Thank you again yes. for yes. your time, brother. Pray for my, pray for my pastor. Pray yes. for you know the congregation. You know we're we're in the midst of revival, brother Naira, mm. and we're expecting great things from God. I, I thank the Lord. I, I do want to say that I do thank the Lord very very much. Uh, you know for being a part of this podcast. Also, I thank God for my pastor, yes. uh, Frank Romo Jr., and you know the amazing man of God that he's been, and is, and the great things that God is doing through his life, as well as my co-pastor. Mm. who I've learned so much from Pastor Anthony Romo. Yes. And but it, it's it's a blessing, uh, Brother Nahed. I don't know where I would be without those men of God in my life. And, you know, without the church. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, I know that. I know that Jesus is doing something awesome in your life as well. Raising you up for such a time as this, Brother Nahera. Let God flow through you. Let this mm-hmm. ministry, you know, reach the, the ends of the earth, like mm-hmm. I had said at the beginning, it has that ability and it has that potential. Yes. And God, I, I believe it, brother. God's going to yes. do great things through this ministry. Oh, in Jesus' name, Pastor. In Jesus' name. And for, like I said, for his honor and his glory. And, and, and I'm really appreciative for those words. Uh, and again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor, so much for your time. And and um, we'll see you around when uh, either when you come back and visit us. Uh, but you're always welcome here in First Tucson, Pastor. You have a house you can come to if you like. <laughs> Our doors right, are yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Our doors are open for you, pick Pastor. You up on that. I'll yeah. pick you up on that offer. <laughs> All right, Pastor. Pastor. There you go. <laughs> there you go, Pastor. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Pastor. God bless you. All right. God bless you too.